this is James Lindsay. You are listening to New Discourses Bullets, where I summarize one important topic in a quick, digestible, 10 to 15 minute, if I can, podcast that touches upon exactly what you need to know to understand woke Marxism, what's happening around you, and how it works. In this episode, I want to talk about the process of conscientization, which is a big fancy word that means developing the right kind of consciousness. If you're a Marxist, a Marxist consciousness is the general term. Class consciousness is the older one. Critical consciousness is the newer one. We might add woke consciousness, but not a lot of people use that, and it's redundant. But I want to give you a quick history, a quick summary of how it works, because it is a process. It is a grooming process or a cult grooming process, and I need you to understand that the processes of becoming a Marxist is the process of being induced into a cult. I'll do a much longer podcast on the New Discourses podcast platform on this issue when I get it together, but I want to touch on the broad overview here for you so you can see the big picture. So very quickly, historically, uh, Karl Marx talked about class consciousness quite a lot and its necessity, and he kind of... uh, wrote a lot and yelled a lot at people to try to get them to understand their class consciousness. And he figured that if the workers understood their their nature and and the class that they're in, if they just understood, then they would spontaneously organize, create a movement, a workers' movement, that would then overthrow and seize the means of production, overthrow the existing society and seize the means of production. And it didn't work. And so World War I rolls around, and what you saw was all of the workers' parties fragmented, and they all lumped into nationalist parties instead. You actually see the rise of the fascists out of these contexts. It didn't work. It didn't work. And so a cultural Marxism arises to try to understand and explain this. And chief, maybe, chiefly among the um, cultural Marxists, we have a character by the name of George Lukács. He's a Hungarian Marxist. Um, And he actually writes a book in 1923 called History and Class Consciousness, where he explains that Marx had this wrong. First of all, There's not just class consciousness, but there's this cultural phenomenon he calls false consciousness, where the cultural elites, like the national organizations, convince the people to join up with, uh, to to take on a false view of reality that serves the elite interests rather than becoming a first local and then largely global workers' movement that will overthrow the entire capitalist system throughout the world. So this is one of the questions that they're trying to solve. And he explains in this book, in the third chapter, it's called Class Consciousness, that we have to understand Marx, he says, left off. He didn't explain what it actually means to be a proletarian. He didn't explain it properly. He didn't explain that there's a process to this. Later, I'm going to skip ahead for the historical purposes right now, later, the critical Marxists or the critical theorists or the neo-Marxists are the same people, same ideas came along and said, no, 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 it's even worse than you think. It's not just that the cultural elite produce a cultural consciousness or a false consciousness or a cultural hegemony that keeps out Marxism, a true, you know, awakened class consciousness and prevents this from happening. It's way worse than that. They say that the very terms of the existing society exclude people from being able to have a truly revolutionary class or critical, as it became called, consciousness. A critical consciousness is critical of the entire framework, the entire system of the existing society, including the terms in which it is expressed. And so class consciousness shifts to critical consciousness. And so by the 1960s, you have Paulo Freire coming along, a Brazilian first post-colonialist, but then turned Marxist educator in Brazil, I guess he's Brazilian in Brazil. How about that? Actually, he wrote a lot of this at first in Chile. So he's a Brazilian in Chile. Let's just do that. And he explains 
a process of conscientization. In fact, his educational books describe specifically that the goal of education is to create conscientization, as he called it in Portuguese, conscientização. The go- and that's where we get that word, to raise consciousness. This is how you've heard it before. Raise a feminist consciousness, raise a class consciousness, raise a Marxist consciousness, raise a uh, racial consciousness, whatever it happens to be. But in what we see in this continuity is, that, first of all, that class consciousness isn't enough. We have to have a, cl- a critical consciousness that's critical of the very terms of the existing society. But in both cases, what we see is an awareness that Marx didn't put forth that becoming conscious is a process. It's not just a dialectical process where we seize the means of production, we achieve the socialist revolution, and then it starts to work itself out as consciousness spreads under socialism as Marx believed it would, where man and society co-create one another. So once you control the means of society, you control everything. It's more complicated than that was the conclusion. And so a process of conscientization was necessary. And this I affirm, and you can read it, for example, if you read in, say, Robert J. Lifton's book, Thought Reform and the uh, Psychology of Totalism, a study of brainwashing in China, you can read that there's this whole process that they use to re-educate people to be communists, to be Marxists. And if you, whether you want to read Lukács, History and Class Consciousness from 1923, whether you want to read Paulo Freire um, in his Politics of Education 1985, which I've been doing lots of podcasts on, uh, on the New Discourses podcast platform. Either way, whichever one you want to read, you read that there's this multi-stage process, this cult indoctrination process, this grooming process into consciousness. Class consciousness first, critical consciousness after, true consciousness to follow, which is a full Marxist consciousness. And so to make it kind of simple, I put this into maybe eight stages or nine if you want to call, uh, I don't know, eight stages, I guess. And the first stage of conscientization is class awareness. You have to convince people who are in the lower class in particular, whatever it is. So Marxism always says there's a stratification of society. There are some group of winners that's an upper class and some group of losers that's a lower class. It's the bourgeoisie is the upper class and the proletariat is the working class is the lower class for Marx. It's white versus people of color for critical race theory. It's those that get that get considered normal or get to consider themselves normal and the people who are considered queer or outside of normal in queer Marxism or queer theory and on and on it goes. So first you have to convince people for Freire, there's the literate or the educated and the illiterate or uneducated. So same thing. There's a upper class and lower class. You have to convince people that uh, of class awareness, that there's class period. There's an upper class and there's a lower class. In particular, you have to convince a lower class that they're in a lower class. And then the second thing, after you do that, it's not enough to just say, okay, so yeah, okay, so there's a class structure. Everybody kind of sees this, whatever. I get it. And it sucks in certain ways. I get that. It's not enough. That's only the very first stage. You don't have class consciousness by giving people class awareness, Lukács and Freire explained. You have to go further. You have to now explain to them, hey, it doesn't just suck. Think about it. It actually dehumanizes you. And this is where it gets really culty because now you're adding in a sense of vulnerability, a sense of fear and injustice and being wronged, this class antagonism that Marx referred to, it's dehumanizing you. You are being restrained from what it means to be truly human. That's what's happening to you. You have to be aware of the dehumanization here. That's the second stage of consciousness raising. So first, you, hey, you're in a class. Did you know that there's a class structure to society and you're in one or the other? 
And you need to know that. You need to know that it's consequential. It makes a difference. And then don't you know that this class structure is dehumanizing the underclass? Don't you understand that? Don't you see how it's hurting people if you're in the upper class? Don't you see how it's cheating you if you're in the lower class? And you create that division and that antagonism there. Third, the third stage of conscientization is that you have to frame this in terms of a holistic understanding. It's not just us versus them. It's us with them in an antagonistic relationship. It's almost a yin and a yang. So you have to understand that if you're marginalized, then there must be somebody marginalizing you, a marginalizer. If you're oppressed, there must be an oppressor. And you are in an intrinsic relationship in that regard, a relationship of marginalization, of oppression. You have to understand that this is a relationship. You are not apart from one another. It's not us versus them. It's us and them together creating these intolerable conditions. So it doesn't just dehumanize you, by the way. It dehumanizes them too. And you heard this from the feminist. Patriarchy hurts men too. Misogyny hurts men too. You hear this from the Marxists. The bourgeoisie doesn't even know that it's dehumanizing, so they become alienated from their own true nature, which is a social being, because they are uh, so invested in their own self-interest, their own private property, their own land holdings, whatever it happens to be, that they don't even, they're not even truly human anymore because they're willing to dehumanize other people to keep that. So it's not just dehumanizing you, it's dehumanizing everybody, because this is a holistic understanding. That's the third stage of conscientization. You can see this as a cult indoctrination. What Lifton says when he's interviewing these people from China, from literally Mao's prisons and the Cultural Revolution, is that, that, that were you know reformed and exiled to Hong Kong, where he interviewed them, is that they were learning to see things from the people's standpoint. They were being re-educated to see themselves and their crimes that they were forced to confess to and whatever else from the people's standpoint, which is the true standpoint of the world, where everybody is part of the people, but a lot of people don't realize it, and they're hurting other people who aren't. They're dehumanizing. But this is a holistic understanding. You can only understand the parts in terms of the whole. That's a fundamental Marxist and Hegelian view, if you know the deeper philosophy. Fourth, though, you have to convince these people, now that they've been brought into this dehumanization and that there's this intrinsic part of this evil process, there's an evil system in operation. The enemy isn't them. It's the system itself. That's stage three. Stage four is, did you know you're a history maker? Of course, you can look at the people in the upper class and you can tell that they make history. They're allowed to make history. They've arranged things so that they make history. They're in positions of power. They're in positions of elite status. They get to set the culture. They get to set the standards for society. They get to make the laws. They get to exempt themselves from the laws. They get to break the rules and not punish themselves. But you, too, you're a conscious subject in this process. Remember, it's holistic. You're a conscious subject. You, too, are a history maker, even as the oppressed. You have to awaken to a political consciousness of somebody who's going to be able to change history. And that's the fourth stage. There's something you can do about this. You can become an activist. And fifth, the fifth stage of conscientization is that you actually have a special role as a history maker. You in the underclass in particular have a special role. The people's standpoint is available to you. You have insight into the secret, absolute knowledge of social reality. Man is social being. You can see it. Other people can't. You have a special role as a history maker. You are the dialectical negation of 
the upper class. The lower class and the, and the upper class exist not just in a dynamic of oppression, where there are oppressors who oppress, and that you are oppressed by them, or the marginalizer, marginalization, marginalized dynamic. And not just are you able to be conscious as a subject, as a history maker within this, you have a special role to play. You're the only one who can understand how you were being alienated from our true social reality. You are the dialectical negation that moves history. You, the underclass. That's why you need to awaken not just to an awareness that you're in a class and that the class is dehumanized and that that's a part of a bigger dynamic, that the system's a problem, and that you can be a conscious, aware person of this dynamic and somebody who might have a role to change it. You have the crucial role in changing it. You are the history maker, the underclass, and your mechanism is solidarity. That's class consciousness. We finally get to class consciousness. From class awareness down to class consciousness is a multi-step process of grooming people to see themselves as dehumanized political activists who have a special insight into how the world really works that the other class can't see, and therefore have the capacity to change history in accordance with greater fairness and awakening. That's class consciousness, the need to be to show solidarity in your class, to move history as a class. The underclass doesn't have the power to move history individually. That's reserved for the upper class. Only white people can make history. Black people have to come together as a class. That's what Kimberly Crenshaw is saying when she says that there is a fundamental difference in mapping the margins from 91. There's a fundamental difference between the statements, I happen to be black and I am black. I am a person who happens to be black, she says, puts the person first. I am black is an anchor for subjectivity and a positive discourse of resistance. When you think of yourself in terms of your class, that's where you've got it. And that's what Lukács says, that you have to start thinking of yourself in terms of your class. That's what Freire says, you have to start thinking of yourself in terms of your class. You have to think in terms of the we, not the I, because as a class, you can make history. So now you've literally joined a cult. Class consciousness means you have literally joined a cult. But even Lukács says this isn't enough. You have to have true consciousness, because if you don't, you're just going, and this is what the critical Marxist really took up, if you don't, you're just going to take the idea of class consciousness, that classes matter, that we are intrinsically in classes, that are in dynamism with one another, and you're going to carry that up when you finally band together in solidarity to make history by seizing the means of production, when your cult tries to take over and become the religion for the world, you're going to reproduce class relations because you think in terms of class consciousness. So you actually have to skip to a true consciousness. And what Freire says is that leaves out a step. That leaves out the critical consciousness. So the seventh step is critical consciousness. Critical consciousness is the seventh step. That's where you finally realize the very terms of the existing society, which are class society, are the problem. You have to reject the very terms of class society, and then you have a critical consciousness. Freire says what you do with this is you have a, a cultural revolution. And the instant you have your revolution, you recognize that the new society you created became old. In other words, you just move society in a huge revolutionary lurch to the left, and the instant you did it, the thing you created is the new right wing. So you're going to lurch it to the left again, and lurch it to the left again. And Freire says you have to have a permanent and perpetual cultural revolution, 
That's what critical consciousness demands, that your critical consciousness is so critical that you realize that class consciousness is going to reproduce itself one step to the next to the next after each revolution. So you have to be in perpetual revolution. And that leads you into a true critical consciousness that overcomes false consciousness, which has its final form in class consciousness, which used to be the good thing that you were aiming for. And then beyond that is Marx's true consciousness, where he distinguishes between what he calls crude communism and true communism. And crude communism is the uh, abolishment, the distaste for, the seeing the evil in uh, property, in private property. True communism, however, he says, transcends private property entirely. There, there's absolutely no need. The concept doesn't even make sense. We've left it completely behind. and We become truly social beings that live with and for one another. So this is the process of a cult indoctrination, make people realize that they are separate from others. So you introduce social identity theory into the game. That's class awareness that they're being screwed over through a process of dehumanization. That's uh, the second stage. And that is uh, introducing class antagonism and vulnerability to deepen the cult indoctrination then you say this is a whole systematic problem, a systemic problem. It's, the whole system is the problem. And then you say that's stage three. And then stage four is you are somebody in this system who can be aware of the system and thus do something with it. And then you tell them that in stage five, you have a special role as the only people, the only people who know the truth about social reality or know more of the truth about social reality. So you have to lead this revolution as the underclass but you can only do so in stage six, class consciousness and solidarity with your class. And then when you move history as a class, you have to realize that class thinking itself, class society itself, needs to be criticized relentlessly and endlessly. So you can have a critical consciousness that's constantly seeking another revolution. And then if you do this long enough and you truly understand that the private property at the heart of it, the division of labor underneath everything, whether that's material labor, you know, the means of building things, industry, et cetera, whether it's cultural labor, producing cultural products, and what it means to be, you know, American or what it means to be a world citizen or whatever, then you have to blow that out and transcend that completely to be a true uh, social entity, a true socialist being as Marx had it. So this one ran along. But that's the process of Kantianization in a nutshell. It is a cult indoctrination. I'll do a longer form, detailed uh, podcast on this on the New Discourses podcast, so look out for that soon. Uh, thanks for listening and bearing with me. Apologize for the length. I'll see you next time.